0: Good morning, good evening. Today is Sunday, March the 15th, live from Indianapolis, Indiana. It's the news radio show, and just want to thank you for tuning in and joining the discussions. Today, we don't really have a general format of the show, we don't have a topic, we don't have a special guest joining us. So, what we have done today is just to discuss in general the affairs happening all across the country in the United States in Zambia and all the I mean and the rest of the 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 world because I'm sure you are all aware of this pandemic which is affecting not only the the people in China at one minute it was uh, affecting the people in China but now it's affecting everybody so everybody is concerned everybody is worried And everybody is making measures, making plans to see what they can do to prepare for this coronavirus. So coronavirus is something that is now a reality. Uh, Just a few weeks or months ago, we thought it was just something that was happening in China. But now it's something that is happening in our backyard. So we are concerned we want to take necessary precautions we want to prepare and we want to inform our communities so that at least uh, there is no panic we don't want our communities to panic we just want to have a general discussion so i'm joined by i'll be joined by a few people who just be discussing in general the state of affairs on the coronavirus and what is happening around the world? Again, this is a news radio show. It's exactly 2:03 Eastern Standard Time, 1:03 one, one in Central Time. So, coronavirus. What do we do? How do we prepare? Can we prepare? And we've heard all kinds of stories. People talking about, no, this thing is not affecting black people. And other people are worried. Other people are scared. So how do we prepare ourselves? So now uh, one of my uh, panel is Blair Sia Junza. He's based in Chicago, Illinois. He previously served as the association president for the Indian for the Chicago chapter, which is called Zambian Heritage Association of Chicago. Mr. Sia Junza, welcome to the program.
1: Welcome, uh, President Noah. How are you today?
0: Oh, um, I'm hanging in there, trying to stay on top of this information. As you know, the coronavirus is more in our backyard.
1: Yes, uh, this thing started from afar, and now it is... uh Come right in our neighborhoods. So it's a it's a, it's a timely uh, occasion for us as uh, the Zambian diaspora to just touch base with each other and kind of um, remind ourselves to take precautions. And we know uh, that different circumstances you know affecting our communities. There are people who are families. There are those who live by themselves. There are those who you know are in. Um, Uh, home care giving, and uh, the vulnerabilities are very different at um, every level, so it's good to remind each other that we still have a support structure with associations and also sharing information. It's very key and checking up on one another. So thank you for making this time uh, on a beautiful afternoon to talk about this. And uh, yeah, I, I'm here today. At least I, I have time this afternoon, so we can uh, we can chat and uh, touch base, even give updates uh, regarding what's even happening back home. We continue to thank God that uh, at least up to today, there's been no case even in Zambia. So that's something to be very grateful about. So I don't, I don't know if you. Anybody else has had anything? But as far as I know, there hasn't been a case reported yet.
0: Yeah, that's true. We haven't had any a case in Zambia, so I, we are crossing our fingers. Because I'm sure you know, in the past, or so a month ago, there was this Cameroonian guy who tested, uh, who had a reactive test to this coronavirus. And then mm-hmm. we were told by some Chinese doctors I think they this was they put out some some it was actually carried in one of the media papers out there in China, saying it may seem that black people may have an advantage on age, but they don't really know exactly what it what, what it is so I was thinking to myself, i'm like, Because oh. when just sometime in january when there uh, is China was very much the epicenter of this disease in China. We hardly had any cases in Africa, so when I saw the article, then I'm like, oh, could there be a relationship there? So we don't know. We're just keeping our fingers crossed because we, uh, as as you can tell, I think when you look at the Sahara in Africa. Uh, the cases that we were aware of, I think, as of last week or two weeks ago, it did not involve any of our uh, people. It was mostly yes. people traveling or non-African. So we are not saying that the the coronavirus is not attacking our people, but from the statistics and what we are seeing on the ground, we are hoping, because as, as we all know, Africa is very well ill prepared when it comes to, I mean, diseases like this. So we can only hope that it's not something that will destroy our our health uh, health system back home. What, what do you think, there?
1: Yeah, actually, uh, I was watching the news today in, in Zambia, and uh, there's a doctor, I think, who was appealing to the government to kind of uh, increase their preparedness, and it was appealing that uh, they they hire more uh, responders, first uh, uh, responders as far as the nurses and doctors for triage. But I'm thinking if if we're appealing for recruitment at this stage, then you know that that's a concern because this thing is at uh, almost at the door, and we should have had. Um, an assessment and uh, had uh, all the plans in place because uh, I know President Longo had a, a meeting two weeks ago within the last address this issue. So, yeah, we we've, that's why we're thanking God that, you know, it hasn't hit home because we know how weak uh, our healthcare system is back home. Even when we've had uh, our own... Uh, challenges with uh, cholera and other things, it's, it's been a challenge just to, to manage the epidemic. So you can imagine, you know, if we're not prepared, if we're not taking precautions, uh, then, you know, this could be something, you know, that could be really serious. But from what I've seen, as far as the Kenneth uh, County International Airports, they are screening those that are coming in through that airport. I just don't know about Indola uh, Airport and Livingstone, what's happening there, so hopefully they're, they're taking all those measures to, to make sure that whoever goes into the country, whether they're going by bus or plane, that there's some kind of screening and um, people, you know, isolate if they suspect they have uh, symptoms. So. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. Of course, we we'll keep our ears open and uh, and keep talking about this so that uh, at least if there are any gaps, they can be filled in now before any cases are reported.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So for those who are just joining us, this is the uh, News Radio Show. We are just having a general discussion on the happenings uh, across the world, as you are all aware. Most of the events in the United States, I I think this is sort of the same in even other countries. They are being canceled, the concerts, I mean, both scams and all that. So we're just having a discussion to see what our communities are doing, are our people prepared? What is the situation in Zambia? And how can we help? Can we even help? So this is just a general discussion on the coronavirus, the state of affairs. So, I I'm I see we are joined by one of our association president in Atlanta, Georgia, Yangonia. Mr. Yangonia, welcome to the program. Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. Good, good. <clears throat> yeah, we are just having yeah. a general discussion on the coronavirus. I, I have Mr. Sia Junza on the other line, so it's the three of us uh, discussing. Uh, the state of affairs are you scared out there in Georgia? No, uh, are you guys making any plans? what's going on? What's your take on this coronavirus? Uh,
2: I mean of course people we just encourage our community members to be to stay calm, I know be prepared and uh, use reliable sources of information, given that there's a lot of uh, misconceptions going out there the biggest one that we are hearing, of course, I don't know if you guys have heard, is that African Americans or black people are immune to this disease. So just making sure people are not falling for those uh, types of uh, information and actually taking a proactive uh... Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's
1: well, true, yeah, that's a good one. I think you've you been a data guy, so I was hoping you would speak more to that because I know we've had... Uh... In the U.S., for example, uh, in, initially the, the data pool was kind of limited when we had under a thousand people. But now that we have over two thousand, I don't know. Anybody checked if uh, there's been any African Americans in the uh, in, in the patient uh, list? Because you know, this thing I think is gonna uh, people are thinking that they're not vulnerable. We, we need to have credible data, like you're saying, trusting the sources that are providing that information because so far I haven't heard uh, any specific pronouncements from CDC or WHO saying that, you know, the African population or so people of African descent uh, are not vulnerable. I think uh, that, that, yeah, that's I think the point it's... that we need to discuss it. Yeah, because yeah, we yeah, have
2: that's to look true. at the it's disease it's affecting people who have either recently traveled and those who are elderly. So it's, uh, I hate to say this, but it's become a pandemic, so it's only a matter of time before it starts being diagnosed in other places if it's not contained. But definitely we shouldn't fall into the trap of thinking that as Africans or as African-Americans, we're somehow immune uh, from this disease. But I don't think the CDC or WHO are releasing any data based on ethnicity I don't think that would be difficult to do that in the sense that it's essentially saying that certain populations are different from others when in reality we are more alike than we are different so I think it's just taking those precautions that have been recommended but definitely staying away from, I hate to say this but even the news itself can be relied upon so we're encouraging our people here to rely on information from the, the state. health department and local health departments because that's the more reliable sources of information than just what you read on the news because, you know, they might misinterpret what's stated. Okay.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, actually, because even if, uh, say, the the number of Africans that are affected is limited, I think for us, being here, uh, our eminent doctor, the director of... uh, National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, Dr. Anthony Fauci, uh, who's been kind of speaking, uh, even from the White House podium, the one who's been tasked to kind of give these updates about preparedness and stuff. He was just on uh, NBC today and he was saying that we need to prepare to hanker down. So, I don't know if you looked at what happened in Wuhan, and so, in the period when nobody was allowed to go outside, what life looked like. And I think that's where we need to kind of, um, of course, we don't want to cause our communities to panic. But again, you would want people to know what that means. Because if, for example, uh, the schools get shut down like they have in Illinois, in my district, for example, there will be no school for the next two weeks. So the kids are staying at home. And then uh, depending on what happens, depending if cases come out, I'm sure there'll be more strict measures because already there's uh, social isolation that they're talking about. You you have to be at least six feet away from people in public, even at church. Today there were uh, pronouncements made about avoiding contact. So if we get to a point where for example, there would be restrictions on getting out of the house. And of course, you want uh, Zambians, for example, to or people in our communities, to have provisions. You know, because some of us eat shima. We we don't, you know, eat you know other other kinds of foods. So it's good to just put uh, you know those provisions in place in case we get to that point, like we've heard from uh, Dr. Farsi today who said, you know, we need to, or the American population has to prepare to hunker down. Now, Hunkering down means, you know, going to your bunker and probably staying there for a little bit, whether it's a couple days or a couple weeks. So whatever time frame, I think the advice to our communities would be to get provisions that you know you will need, at least in the house. I don't know how you feel about that one, but, uh, but I know
0: Yeah, that's that's true. I think uh, as public health prof- professionals, I think we have to be able to ensure that we are providing or getting the right information from the uh, right sources because I, for one, here in Indiana, actually, I we set up, I, uh, I think, for, for the benefit of our listeners, I work for the state health department here in Indiana, and we set up a call center just down in one of our conference rooms where we are addressing and answering questions from the general public because, you know, when you wait for the, for, for the state health department, everybody feels you have all the answers. So we have a call center that we've just set up. I think it's now running 24-7. So we are going in, I think, every four hours. The shift rotation is every four hours. So initially we were uh, running from 8 to noon, noon to 4, 4 to 8 p.m. But now I think there's just been so much demand and countless calls coming in from the community. Everybody's scared and don't know what to do. So we are now operating a 24-7 call center. And the purpose of the call center is to address concerns and questions and just to get the people uh, prepared and also giving them the right information So far, I'm going to be actually one of the people who's going to be a a, a respondent. So we'll be taking care of challenges that I think most of our people are having in Indiana. So I don't know if other states have done that. So the state health department here, they have a toll-free line where people... Specifically in Indiana, we have physicians who have people calling them like, hey, I ordered something from China and it arrived. Should I touch it? Should I open it? And things like that. And also we have questions from just the general public wanting to know when the test kits are going to be available. And we have even calls from the hospital wanting to know what is the procedure, how do they uh, respond or answer some of the questions. So we are keeping our hands very, very busy here in Indiana. So as far as the the total count, right now I think in the USA uh, we have 1,000 629 cases and these are cases that have been diagnosed so I think with the challenges that I think everybody has been having in terms of the test kits so there could be a few more people out there who may have the condition but because of the challenges with the test kits they are undiagnosed but as as it stands right now it's a total of 1629 cases and out of these cases 138 are travel relate, related and 129 uh cases due to close contacts i mean uh, talking or being next to or close enough to somebody who is suspected of having the virus so and 1329 cases are under investigation so i i'm sure with time, the numbers will skyrocket. So our primary concern, I think, at Zambians, we are wanting to be sure that I think our health officials on the ground in Zambia they have the right information. Because of course, there's uh, we've heard a lot. I actually personally have written and I've had some. I mean, I've read a little bit and I've had people reaching out like, oh, we've noticed that no Africans are getting this virus is that the case what is going on so we want to make sure that at least there is no scientific evidence so far that seems to indicate that black people are immune from this condition we just want to make sure that we are taking all the necessary precautions that is staying a few feet away from others, avoid public uh, places, and you make sure that at least you are y- y- washing your hands every so often, especially when you're in public. Avoid touching public, I mean, places. If you, I mean, you if you're in the elevator, make sure at least you are just not, I mean, touching everywhere. When you go to the stores, places like Walmart. Uh, when you're p- pushing the cuts, make sure at least you are u- sanitizing or cleaning those things because you never know who was using it before you. So the general, the general key to avoiding this condition is making sure that at least you're keeping your surroundings clean, You're making sure that you're washing your hands. If you do not have hand sanitizer, because I know a lot of Places. I mean, we've had uh, countless calls. I'm sure this is true for Georgia and uh, Illinois, and it's very much true in the state of Washington because I've had people in the state of Washington reaching out to me if I could buy some hand sanitizer and sending sending it that way. So we wanna make sure at least you are hand washing your washing your hands with soap. Washing your hands with soap it's very, very effective. Make sure you just take a few seconds longer, fifteen to twenty seconds, that should be good enough at least to to fight and kill the the virus. So we just right. wanna make sure that at least our people are not panicking because panicking doesn't seem to solve any problem and we may there may be some indication out there because there are some uh doctors non african doctors some chinese doctors that seem to indicate that black people may have an age in terms of their genetic blood composition but we that doesn't mean that anyone should be should be happy, should be celebrating. No, this is a pandemic. It has affected and killed countless people across the world. You want to make sure you are taking all the necessary precautions. We hope maybe black people may have that age, but it's not something that we can say for sure. So you want to make sure that at least you are just doing everything possible, keeping your family safe and clean. And then the last point I just wanted to, point out is in terms of stocking up at home, we don't know how long this condition or this uh, coronavirus is going to hang around. You want to make sure at least you're being responsible and ensuring that you uh, you have the basic necessities. Of course, I don't know what's the hype about the toilet paper because I think it's it's something that a lot of people are uh, very I mean worried about but you want to make sure that at least you have uh, water in the house you want to make sure you have some perishable food so at least you'll be able to sustain you just in case there's any complete shutdown but we don't foresee the country going that direction, especially in the United States, uh, there is countless food that is coming in from across the—I mean, across the border, especially from South America and other parts of the world. And also, there are incredible farmers here in the United States who are doing everything possible. So, of course, the the, the produce uh, production may be affected a little bit, but we don't foresee that to become an issue. But at the same time, people just need to be able to stock up just two three weeks' worth of food just in case there's anything. It's better to be informed, but we don't want our people to be alarmed with what is going on. So I think that's my little take on the situation. What, what, what do you say, Bella?
2: I know those are definitely valid points. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, we can take things for granted, but again, it goes to what you said earlier, using reliable sources of information. And I'm trying not to panic as well. I think what I've observed here, I'd made the mistake of going to the grocery store on Friday night, and the stores were essentially empty with things such as bottled water, you know, frozen vegetables and foods, the ground beef, you, you name it, like the staple foods were pretty much like gone, like you see people buying carts mm-hmm. and carts of toilet paper, but really the rationale behind that is hard to imagine, so I think it's still important <laughs> for people to stay home while being cautious at the same time.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, because uh, I've been sort of trying to figure out what's the connection between toilet paper. And this this virus, I mean, I I haven't been able to succeed. I don't know if there's somebody out there who has the mm-hmm. who has the solution or who can. No, it's, uh, it's a basic. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's it going a back to
1: basic.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Well, no, go, well ahead. I go Like
1: ahead. to have the basic comforts uh, with them, so that's it, it's actually probably basic human instinct that you want uh, things like water, you want the things that you use at a basic level. You want to be secure in those things. So I think that's what is driving that. So it is a good point, you know, taking precautions like you started with talking about how we can prevent ourselves from getting affected. The other point I wanted to just uh, touch on is the difference between uh, a common cold or allergy and what uh, coronavirus, uh, when it's fully blown, looks like. Uh, We all know that uh, allergies, you have itchy eyes, you you may have a stuffy nose, you may have sneezing. Those are common cold uh, symptoms. And then uh, where they intersect between a flu or coronavirus is when you start getting a fever, when you start feeling fatigue, when you start getting body aches. Uh, when there's a cough and the symptoms keep worsening, and then uh, when you get into the shortness of breath, and um, if you have uh, exposure, of course, that's a factor too. If you've been out there where you think you may have been exposed, if those factors converge, then you may begin to suspect that you're getting into trouble. And I think what they've recommended, I don't know what they've recommended in uh, in other states, but when you do get to that point where you're feeling those, first step, of course, is to isolate yourself, even from your family, so that you don't uh, spread to other members of the family. So the utensils, even the room where you are, has, you have to isolate yourself so that you don't... Um, uh, pass it on to family members, that's the first layer. Then when you get to the where, to the point where your symptoms are escalating to shortness of breath, that's when it's time to seek medical help. So, I don't know uh, if everybody uh, got that in, in, in their description, but that is what the state of Illinois has given us as kind of the steps to watch through or to see uh, how the, the, the progression is from a common code to where you get into the virus, being a potential you know, cause of what you're going through. So that's what I wanted to just share, uh, make sure that everybody knows the difference between a common code and what coronavirus does as far as
0: symptoms. Yeah, thank you, sir, for for explaining that. Yeah, so I think let's shift gears a little bit because I'm sure when anyone tunes into the the news lately, I think the only thing that you hear is this coronavirus, I mean, 24-7, to an extent that other people are staying away from the news because it's something that, hey, I've just heard too much about this. This thing so let's shift gears a little bit and before we do that I just want to I'm checking on the CDC website and the good news I don't know if I should say good news uh, it's good news caught in court in that uh, we are Zambians and uh, we are primarily concerned if there are cases in our home country, and this is why I'm saying good news, not that it's good that others are having it, no. It's good news in the sense that we as Zambians, as a people, we have not had any confirmed case of this coronavirus. That's why I'm saying it's good news for us, not that they, it's good for others to have it, no. So in Africa, the countries that have been affected, of course, it's primarily in up north. So uh, I think we have a bunch of countries I'll just go through. So it's Algeria, Burkina Faso, Cameroon, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Ethiopia, Gabon, Ghana, Guinea, Ivory Coast, Kenya, Mauritania,
1: mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> excuse me, Nigeria, Senegal, South Africa, Sudan, Togo. So the good news is Zambia is not on the list, and we, we we hope that I think it stays that way. We wish these other countries where they are have confirmed cases. Of course, the I'm sure the healthcare systems and uh, the healthcare professionals, medical doctors in those countries, I uh, think have had a leg up in in the sense that when this thing was happening in 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 China. Uh, late December or early January uh, I think most of our African countries had a time prepare and of course we've seen even in our home country the Chinese uh, have donated I don't know if they've donated but there seem to be some uh, instruments and devices that are being used at our uh, airport in Zambia so that is a good thing so we hope uh, this doesn't get out of control cause for our African countries our structure is not set up uh, very well to contain these diseases so we we are only hoping that at least we continue to see little to no cases but now let's just switch gears a little bit in terms of what is happening on the ground in Zambia Uh, I don't know, Mr. Siajumza, maybe you might want to explain this to me because I I haven't kept up with the news. I just heard the comments by one of the uh, uh, attorneys in Zambia, and I don't know what the situation is. Are you able to speak a little bit about uh, the attorney sangwa and what is going on in Zambia?
1: Yes, but no, Uh So, what, what's been happening is there's this thing, uh, and we have, uh, I think, a couple of legal friends in the diaspora. I uh, you know there's uh, uh, Dr. Munsha in uh, Canada, who can, who's a lawyer actually, and he's been talking about this on Facebook. So, there's this thing about Bill 10, and then there's separately the ruling that the Constitutional Court passed regarding whether President Lungu is eligible to stand in the 2021 election. And it it ties down to uh, the pronouncements that are contained in Bill 10, which impact the qualification of whether the two terms in office refers to, you know, a partial term or not so the lawyer uh, lawyer Mr John Sangwa kind of explained how from the the first uh, i think the first constitutional review that was done under Maiza uh, Chona where Zambians tried to limit the number of terms that a president can save and what each successive you know review has impacted that uh on, on that ruling on, on that statement so the last one i think that was done in 2016 kind of paired the three together like if uh the president is in office his office tenure is tied to the life of the the assembly the parliament right so for example when president lungo was uh Elected the first time when he took office during the passing of uh, Mr. Sata, that term counted because you know it was tied to the term of uh, the Parliament or the, the National Assembly when you include the President. So the debate now has been uh, that uh, there are people who feel that uh, because that. First, the first time was not uh, over three years that President Logu is still eligible to stand because it, it was less than three years. So that's the distinction that uh, Mr. Johnson made, and that seemed to have angered a few people who feel like uh, he's not acting in good faith. So that's what I think is, uh, in a nutshell, is, is a problem with uh,
2: what's going on
1: back
0: home right now. Oh, oh! I see. I, I didn't even follow up this thing. Mr. Siang, Siangonia, do you have anything to add on this uh, situation unfolding in Zambia? Uh, not so much. I mean,
2: I just learned of it, I think, Friday night to see what's going on, I guess. Apparently, the gentleman has been saying the Constitutional Court is essentially not qualified to. Well, the judges on the. In the court are not qualified for those roles is my understanding and then in retribution uh, he has essentially been banned from uh, representing clients or himself in front of the of the Zambian courts but yeah beyond that I don't know much about it but it seems a little over the top for the judiciary to respond that way but again I don't know what the etiquette is around uh, officers of the court as they're called I'm sure uh, pretty much like disparaging the justices so I don't know if it's a matter of freedom of speech or it's a professional uh, issue that's going on on that one yeah this is interesting
0: this is interesting I think this just speaks to not having any very uh, very effective uh, constitution in a country. Because when you have a constitution in the country, it's supposed to speak to these issues. Because the constitution should be clearly spelled out. If somebody dies, assumes office, and it's less than this this time frame, two years or more than that, then you avoid unnecessary challenges like this. So I think, I don't know much... uh, about the Zambian constitution, what it says. Because when you look at uh, Lungo when he came into power, I think he said, was it more than two years or under, it was, was it less than two years to go, or did he have more than two years when he came into power?
1: I think it was less than that. So that's the problem. It was less than that. It was less than three years. And I, yeah, I, I don't believe so. what what they're saying actually the constitution is clear. It's just that you know how it is uh, back home. Sometimes uh people in positions will will, will tell her their decisions not according to the law, but they'll find like a, a legal gap that kind of gives provisions to to side with those in power. So that's I think what has happened in in this case because uh uh, the lawyer explained that, you know, the, the law is very explicit and he even gave the context in which those uh, specific terms were used. For example, if somebody has held office twice, and are not eligible to stand, you know, another term. But the term is five years. So it, it, it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, sometimes, you know, they say that lawyers will always have a thousand ways to interpret something, but uh, in this case, he he's he's, he's saying that uh, the text is very clear. It's just that uh, you know there's always you, you you can't write law for every specific situation. You of write to the general thing, but because of the lack of specific specificity to this situation. That is why we found ourselves in uh, in, in this uh, conundrum where people say, because it wasn't a three-year term or a three-year period, therefore there is still leeway.
0: I see, I see. Yes, yeah, so thank you for informing us on this, because I myself, actually, I wasn't even fully aware of what was going on. I saw, of course, you know, with social media, everything, that happens, you just see a sound bite of that. And so, thank you, uh, gentlemen, for speaking to that. So, for those who are just joining us, you are listening to ZANU's radio show. We are just having a general discussion about the state of affairs in Zambia uh, and as well as in the United States. So, our radio show airs every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Today, we are joined by President. Uh, Blair in Illinois who actually stepped step aside and she's also our program director for our Zanus program uh, and also we have Mr. Uh, Bela Siangonya who is the current Association president for uh, the, Z- the Zambian Association chapter in Atlanta Georgia who currently serves as the secretary for Zanus. So we are just having a general discussion on what is happening all around us. So the election in Zambia is coming up which is just I mean a year and some some months. And this issue has been going on for quite some time whether president Lungu should stand or whether he shouldn't stand. So I think in terms of the the constitution the Constitution of course may not speak to every individual issue this is why we have attorneys and courts to decide that so what is the general I know we are not on the ground in Zambia but what is the general census in terms of what is happening in Zambia with in regards to President long-standing what is the general tone among the electorate are they excited are they fired up are they not happy? Who, who can speak to that? Anyone can jump well, in on we'll, this one. They're we'll just trying to gauge the the reaction because, of course, the courts usually have their say and the people on the ground, the regular Zambians, what are they saying about the this issue and President Longo contesting in 2021, are they happy? Are they excited? Are they frustrated? Uh, what What is just the general take from the ground? Uh, I mean,
2: people who support him, of course, are supporting him. Those who don't support him are not supporting him. But, you know, in politics, or should I say, our democracy, as we call it, you know, at the end of the day, people have a choice. When it's time to vote, you, you make your, your stand known by casting your vote so the issue of eligibility to be honest in my opinion I think it's a it's a non-starter it's not really an issue because if the, the courts have ruled that he's eligible to stand and there's no appeal beyond the constitutional court so the only thing that's remaining is for people within his party to challenge him and for the people who are actually going out to vote to decide if they want to vote for him or not so I really, I really don't think it's worth this discussion about eligibility, I think it's the train has moved on. It's time for people to make their stand known by either voting for the gentleman or not voting for him.
0: Yeah, I think I agree. Cause <clears throat> at this stage, cause I think we've been this is why I say we've been talking about this or hearing about this for quite some time. So I think with the election pending, just uh, less than eight, twelve less than i think it's less than 15 months away so hopefully the people will be able to vote and the the issue will be put to rest and otherwise anyway we live in an imperfect world and we can't always have everything completely structured and outlined the way we want it to be but that's basically what it is i think in terms of democracy this is where Africa, I think, may sort of lag behind because I think uh, freedom of speech is not something that I think it's, uh, takes any form or shape in Africa because I think if you speak against the Republican president, oh, that's the end of you. But when you look at what is happening in the United States, I think at one time I even saw a, a huge a huge balloon structure of the president. In fact, it was a very explicit. It was actually a naked balloon uh, structure of President Trump. And I think they had put it in Times Square or either in Central Park in, in, in New York. When I saw that, I'm like, wow, this is just something else. The good thing with this country is that at least in as much as people may disagree in who they vote for, whether it's a Republican or it's a Democrat, but at the end of the day, they tend to tolerate other people's views and just leave everything uh, for the election to decide. So like him or hate him, Donald Trump is the president, and we are having... uh, I think in some states, of course, some of these um, uh, elections, which I think were supposed to the democratic uh, presidential run, I think because of the coronavirus, they've been cancelled. And somebody was even joking that, oh, anyway, hopefully, this thing, if it continues like that, uh, you might see that cancelling the election So I was like, no, no, I don't think that can even happen. So. Freedom of speech is something that's non existent in Africa. Though the constitution yeah. claim and say that you have freedom of speech, when you speak up against the president, look at these people, they even put a very I mean uh, I think that borders on I think for us Africans we look at how does somebody put up sort of like a naked image of the president. That goes against our African norms. But in this country, that's considered as freedom of speech. Brace yourself in every which way you like. But when you look at our African circles, any person, just like unfortunate this gentleman, who is not um, uh, attorney sang- sang- is Tony Sangwa, who is not even saying anything derogative about the president, but you find that you get censored, where is freedom of speech in Africa or Zambia?
1: Hmm. Yeah, that, that's a very good question, because uh, um, I think even traditionally, it, it's always been a challenge how to balance, you know, democracy versus traditional norms. So I think uh, there's there's too much of uh, reliance on uh, traditional norms versus what a democracy should look like. On our Constitution, of course, we have this. The right to free speech, free conscience. But like you're saying, if somebody stands up and even just talks about, not necessarily even something obscene or something derogatory towards oh, yeah. the but just explains a contrary belief or a contrary uh, statement, they're viewed like uh, they've done they've done something against the state, like they've injured you know. I don't know whether it's the traditional norm that comes in that you can't insult a chief, you can't insult a, a king. And I, I, I think uh, eventually maybe when subsequent generations come in, maybe there will be, I'm not saying that people will stop respecting elders, but there will be the association of uh, that traditional uh, perception of a president as a, as a king or as a chief or as somebody you know who has authority over you in every aspect of life, not just, you know, that he's a head of state. So understanding that, I think, is what it will take, understanding that as, as individuals, as Zambian citizens, people have individual rights. Though the president is is, uh, is put in office by a constitution and by people voting, the fact that he's there doesn't mean he's, you know, above, ridic- uh, above uh, you know, Challenge that you can't challenge him, that you can't even question him I think that's that's a part I think that will take a bit of time to work itself out because we've had a couple of presidents you know it's not it's not like uh, we've already had one we've had of course president Conda for twenty seven years, and after that we had uh president Chilova. and I think some of them were a little bit more tolerant you know I can remember there were things that were said in in the chilova era. Which you know were allowed, which I don't think now you know are being allowed. So I hope for the better. I hope that you know one day will evolve to a point where the individual rights are respected as much as the prestige that is bestowed on a head of state.
0: That's true. That's true. Very well put. Yeah. So we are down to less than ten minutes, gentlemen. So I just wanted us to speak a little bit about the so i think we haven't gotten much traction i think even from there. so the the initial program that we put out there the first show the Z- radio show we discussed what the was all about and i think there were some folks who said oh you guys you should have had open mics so that people could ask questions so I think we'll have another segment in future where we'll be able to have open mics and the general public could ask questions but uh, President Blair could you speak a little bit about ZANOS what ZANOS stands for and what is the mission and what is the intent I think for those who may not know uh, what our platform does and is all about
1: Yes, President Noah. So Zanos is the Zambian Associations Network uh, in the U.S. Let me not make sure I don't bang with that. The so Zambian Associations Network in the United States. So it's essentially uh, every Zambian community in every state has an association, or most states do have associations, which are, of course, incorporated into individual states, and they have membership of Zambians. And uh, so when we looked at uh, the individual states, some of them of course have uh, good numbers, some do not. So we said let's kind of uh, bring the collective strength of these associations under one umbrella so that when we want to do something that requires uh, greater resources or greater numbers, it will be easier to do that. You know, we've had a couple of funerals, and, and for states that have a, a small number of Zambians, if they have a funeral, it's very difficult for them to raise you know, funds for repatriation. But by joining together with other associations, it becomes easier. So that's kind of the, the, the premise with which we came at uh, ZANUS. So ZANUS is represented by presidents of each association in uh, whatever states we have we have uh, of course illinois indiana atlanta represented you know on, on this forum today but i'm not the president the president for illinois is uh, irene white but the presidents of the local associations in each state are who form what is called zanus and the plan the plan responses for example regarding this uh, coronavirus i mean if they Any Zambians that will ever get affected by this, there will be a coordinating of uh, how to support, you know, the community that is affected at Zanus level. So that's what Zanus is uh, all about. It's about um, bringing all the Zambians in the U.S. together and doing for each other what we cannot individually do. You know, there are things that take a village, and uh, that's what Zanus is trying to do. I hope i if I left something, Buenabela will add to
0: that, yeah, so Bela, if you could sort of add to that and also talk about the the mental health conference that we were working on and due to and what what is the state of affairs on the mental health conference and the importance of for, for other leaders to be part of zanos, if you can speak to that uh, uh, president Bela.
2: Yes, uh, so just to echo what our friend from Illinois stated the uh, news it allows us as local association leaders to leverage our numbers uh, to address some of the common challenges that we face uh, as community members uh, for example, recently we've noticed a trend of uh, young Zambians committing suicide, and as leaders soon as we don't have the resources to Uh, help our community in that regard. So we thought having a a mental health conference uh, might be good, not just targeting Zambians, but the entire African diaspora, basically, where we'd bring in experts uh, in the field of mental health, both here in the U.S. and internationally, to come to a central location, uh, specifically in the area of Chicago, Chicago, Illinois, and just hear what work is being done out there in mental health in the African Uh, So right now the conference is on hold, given that uh, this coronavirus, uh, it's difficult to know where the epidemiology is going. So we thought it would be best to minimize the planning of that event until we have uh, a good hand on where this disease is going. But in the long run, of course, as I said, it's to leverage our numbers uh, to try to help our communities, whether it's applying for uh, group life insurance or scholarship opportunities that will cater to all Zambians within the continental U.S. That's something that ZanuS can do to leverage our numbers and, of course, doing charitable work uh, in Zambia as well. But basically, that's what it is, is use our numbers and use the platform as a think tank to common issues for some communities.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. Thank you, President, President Bela and President Blair. For that, so President Blair is a former president of Illinois. But you know, when you are you are a president, you are a president for life. So we refer to President Blair as president because, of course, it's a president for life. It's like President Kaunda who ruled Zambia for 27 years, but people say, "Oh, President Kaunda." Yeah. So that's why we are still maintaining that title uh, for President Blair of course illinois is under uh, the leadership of um, mm. president irene white and she's part of our cause she's she was she's actually i think planning the next episode which we'll have next week because i think if everything goes well we are working to see if we could get a uh have a discussion on domestic violence. It's it's not something that is common, I think, in our African circles to come on the radio and to discuss, but I, there's a lady who is willing and able to be part of our discussion. So uh, look out. We'll send out uh, information once we finalize everything. But the purpose of our show, ladies and gentlemen, tonight or this evening or this morning, depending on where you're joining us from, was to look at the happenings around the country. The main thing that I think is on the news 24-7 is the coronavirus. So we are encouraging our uh, our listeners to make sure that at least you are getting your facts, getting your news from the credible source, and the credible source is either your local health department in the state of, state where you live, or the CDC, which sort of like is the overseer and the, the 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 more like the CEO of all public health affairs. So look out to uh, for more information from the CDC, what is happening. We are thankful that there are no uh, cases in Zambia. We hope it stays that way, but we just want to encourage our listeners to be able to exercise the... Uh, Uh, proper hygiene techniques make sure you wash your hands don't touch your face when you're in the public make sure at least you're not just touching everything if you go to stores make sure at least you restrict unnecessary I mean touching of public for instance if you go to Walmart make sure you wash your hands or you sanitize the cat so you want to make sure that our people are getting informed you don't want to panic Make sure you stock up and get the necessary items that you need. But other than that, ladies and gentlemen, this has been our Zanus Radio Show. We look forward to another segment next week at the same time. Our show airs every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. Till next time. Thank you for now. Thank you. All right. Good night. Thank you, Bella. Thank you, Blair.
2: Good night, Mr. Noah. Thanks.